0: This is the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom.
1: In this week's podcast...
0: And Brandon, I've, I've been in ministry now 20 years. I've been in ministry enough to um, to have seen many people exposed for many things. Um, a guy exposed as being drug addicts, moms exposed as being alcoholics, uh, you know, deacons and elders in church being exposed as having prescription drug habits, pastors being exposed as being adulterers. I mean, you name it, I've been a part of it. And here's what I have found about every person who has been exposed of
1: something 24 hours after they've been exposed, they feel relief. Thanks for listening to the Activate Podcast with Pastor Christian Newsome, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Brandon, and today I'll be asking Pastor Christian questions about his recent message from our series, This Is My Story. In this series, Pastor Christian is teaching us that who we are in life And where we are in life is important to God and impactful to others, and that ultimately our stories are for God's glory. Uh, Pastor Christian, thank you for guiding us through this series. We are already getting great feedback from individuals at Journey about great conversations they're having as they begin to shape and share their stories. Um, It sounds like your faith from this past Sunday as you shared stories of your childhood um, your, your faith was deeply shaped by your experience at church. T- tell me a little bit more about that. What are the things that you learned about God from your childhood that have significantly shaped you spiritually?
0: Well, one, I, I learned the influence that a parent can have when they are faithful uh, by just exposing their kids over and over and over and over again to who Jesus is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure how many days I went to school between kindergarten and and my senior year, but I know on the vast majority of them I did not lock into math or English or science or history. But the accumulation of all those days, right? I mean, when you add them all together, I understood the basic things I was supposed to understand about them. And my my parents um, took us to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, Every Wednesday night, when I was a child, because I went to a, a small church and a church a long way from my home, I grew up um, in the country. My church was at times thirty-five or forty minutes away. We always went to a church. It seems like thirty-five or forty minutes away. So I, I never had a, a youth. I never had a youth group. I never had a youth ministry. Um, Fellowship of Christian Athletes was my youth ministry, but we never missed church on Sunday morning. Uh, you know, and again, I can't. I can't recall. Right now, off the top of my head, I mean, gosh, what would, what would 50 times 18 be? 50 times 20, is that a 1,000-ish? Um, yeah, probably close to a 1,000 Sundays that my mom and dad made sure I was sitting in church, um, if not worshiping, watching people worship, if not worshiping, listening to people worship, if not singing the songs, hearing the words to the songs, if not cued into the sermon, at least having it wash over me. I got to marinate in church. Um, with who Jesus was, with what the Word of God was, watching people get saved, watching people get baptized, watching people um, find hope, watching people find help. And by the time I was 18, when it was time for me to make that decision on my own, uh, I had a culture in me where Sunday was really, really important in my life. So if, if you were to say probably what's the most significant thing you learned, I can't remember a lot of the lessons that I learned, but I remember the lifestyle. That I had, and our lifestyle was that that god was was central in our family, and the central role he played was on a Sunday that was the lord's day, and that was the day our family kind of stopped everything else to be a part of what was going on spiritually and like I said, uh, over a thousand or so Sundays, uh, the point sunk into me and and the anchor of who Jesus is and what his
1: church is all about. Um, sunk deep uh, and, kept, and kept me engaged. Well, let's talk about um, Sunday's key passage. It was First Samuel 15. It's actually a, a very sad narrative of a person named Saul, who was the first king of Israel. Can you help me understand the story a little bit more? Israel demanded a king. God gave them what they asked for. But then God ultimately rejected Saul as the king. Why did God allow Saul to be the king of Israel in the first place? Well, so Israel, when Israel said, we want a king,
0: they knew they were saying, we don't want to do this God's way anymore, because God appoints people that we don't trust, God appoints people or allows people to lead who aren't successful, um, and, and they wanted and desired to be more dependent on a man that they could see than a God who was unseen. So God allowed them um, to choose Saul, even though even though God chose Saul, God God gave them at the time what was the desire of their heart, which was to have a an impressive king like every other country. Had a king, so he gave them, you know, probably one of the largest men in the country. Saul stood, it says, a head taller than everyone else. Some scholars think he might have been a foot taller than everyone else. I mean, Goliath was a giant, right? We think Goliath was over nine feet tall. Some people think Saul might have been close to six or, you know, six and a half feet tall, or seven feet tall. He would have been a very, very large man too, which even makes the story of David and Goliath more poignant because Israel's giant was afraid to go fight the Philistine. Um, giant. But they would have had someone that they said, man, we want to follow this guy, a young, good-looking, strong man to follow. And God said, I'm going to show you what happens when you just look um, at the man's physical appearance rather than his heart. And I'm going to show you that, that living in Israel is about following God, and following God has to do with your heart more than anything else. So God gave them 40 years of Saul, so they would say, okay, we realize now it's not what the king looks like. It's not even what the king can do. It's how the king loves God that makes him successful. So God allowed them to see the error of their judgment by choosing Saul. He gave them what their heart desired so they could see our our hearts are wrong. What we need is somebody whose heart um, really, really loves God, because when we have that, we can trust that person. Um, it wouldn't return Israel to a theocracy, but it would, in the heart of a king, when God said, I, I'm looking for someone who has a heart for me, God was saying, the only way I can lead the country is by leading the king, and if you get the right king, I can still lead the country. So he, he allowed Saul to show the people um, which desires they had that were inappropriate, and so they would desire a king that loved God uh, more than anything else. And and they would find that in David.
1: As we look more um, into the life of Saul this past Sunday, you, you highlighted how Saul pictured himself as a kid and a king. Can you unpack what it looks like to picture ourselves as kids and what it looks like to picture yourself as kings in our relationship with God?
0: Yeah, so that was just an interesting play on words to, to show what Saul looked like when he was dependent on God and what Saul looked like when he acted independent um, of God. Uh, and when we first see Saul in Scripture, I mean, he is. He's, he's just this farm boy. Um, from From the tribe of Benjamin, um, who's who's trying to find some some donkeys that have wandered off from his dad. Um, he's a kid whose friends are worried about him. He's a kid whose dad is worried about him. Um, he's a kid who doesn't want to get in trouble. He's a kid who, uh, who you know, doesn't know a whole lot spiritually. And all of a sudden, he encounters this prophet of God. And all of a sudden, he encounters people of God, and he encounters prophecy of God. And and he's just this kid who who is wide open to having his heart impacted. And scripture says changed. He had his heart changed so that he became another man. And he's someone who would not he wouldn't do anything without knowing for sure God is with me, God is for me, God told me how to do this. Um, and and it just shows us when when we are willing to be small in our own eyes. When we are willing to see God as great and ourselves as less than that, uh, when we are willing to say, I don't want to do this unless I do it God's way, and I don't want to move forward until I know what God would say, um, and, I'm, and I'm unsure of how this will impact me, um, because I only want to do it if God will be with me. When we see ourselves as small in our own eyes, when we see ourselves like kids um, on a journey, you know, when, you, when you're a kid on a journey, you might ask the question a lot, are we there yet? But rarely does a six or seven or nine year old from the back seat say, dad, I think you're going the wrong way. Um, kids might get anxious on the journey, but they don't start second guessing. And when we start turning into adults that aren't asking God, are we there yet? But we're saying, God, are you sure you went the right way? God, are you sure you know how to get there? God, are you sure we should have went left instead of right? God, are you sure? You know, when we start second guessing everything, which Saul did when he became a king, when he became became a king, he thought, I should have a say in these things. When he became a king, he said, I'm going to set the timeline of when God moves. When he became a king, he said, I'm going to really decide which of God's laws I'm going to keep and which of God's laws I'm not going to keep. When he became a king, he didn't just second-guess God, he actually put God in the passenger seat and said, let me drive Hang out there. I'll let you know if I need you. Uh, a kid might get impatient. A kid might get anxious. But a kid no, normally doesn't second guess direction um, or leadership. Uh, and when Saul became a king, he he did that a lot. And I just think it's important for us to always see ourselves as small enough in our own eyes that even when we read a verse of scripture that we think, man, that doesn't make sense, um, with childlike faith, we just we just trust we just trust God, um, and. We hope that what we don't know will be proven by what we do know. We can trust God. We don't know why he's asked us to do that, but because we can trust him, we will know at the end, and it will all make sense. Uh, having a childlike faith and being small in your own eyes is, 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 is not only important to your faith, it's huge in your story because it shows the world a picture of somebody who is dependent and trusting uh, God every day
1: in every area of their life. Well, Saul was broken. And he refused to admit it, um on the other hand, as you pointed out the the apostle Paul boasted gladly about his weaknesses in first Corinthians chapter twelve as we develop our stories, is there a right and a wrong way to boast in our weak weakness can you Can you explain that for us?
0: Yeah, there actually is. This is a good question because it's again, I see this a lot in student ministry. I see it in men's ministry every now and then um people they glorify their sin. And they're trying to tell they're just trying to tell their story, but they're glorifying their sin. Um, we talked about your story is for god 's glory. Your story is not for the glory of what it looks like to be a frat boy or a sorority girl. Your story is not what it looks like to have an affair um, if If we glorify sin rather than forgiveness. If we glorify enjoyment in a certain lifestyle rather than brokenness that that lifestyle brought, then yes, our, our stories are not pointing to Jesus. Um, they're really making people, like we said on last week's podcast, students get up and they talk about their sin for 10 minutes and their Savior for one, and you get off the stand and all you can remember is their sin. So yeah, we we boast in our weakness not because of our weakness, but because of how our weakness makes us dependent upon God. So I think, you know, brokenness is maybe even a better word than weakness, which is why we said, boast in your brokenness. Paul said, I boast in my weakness, but what he was really saying is, it's my brokenness that allows me—it's my brokenness that forces me to tap into God's power. Um, So when, when we when we share our stories, and we talk about our brokenness, it has to be the through the lens of, and this is what caused me to tap into God's power, and make sure that you don't just get caught up with, you know, one up, one upping someone's story. I was in a men's group several years ago, and someone was was sharing their story, uh, and and their their story was. Um, their story their story was a difficult past and it it started early a young guy raised without a dad raised in the party scene raised around a lot of drugs and alcohol raised around a lot of girls and his his story was all all the times he had messed up in high school um and and really how it had broken his marriage he ended up getting divorced um, but he went back to because all of that happened you know it it broke my life when I was an adult, but there was there was a little bit of macho ness to, you know the the glory days, and the person who shared their story after him was a kid who'd been raised in Christian school, and he started his story by saying, "My story's different, but I could have slept with a bunch of girls too if I'd have wanted to," and it was like, "Dude, you to you totally missed that. Like this is a men's Bible study. Like you have totally missed the point." of his story and of your story and of how poorly sin breaks people you 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 heard the glory of the sin rather than the brokenness of the person who 20 years later said because I was a wild child in high school I never knew how to love my wife well so she left me and and that ha- that happens That happens all the time. It will happen in small groups at our church this week, because you have people of different maturity levels, and you have a lot of people who are still attracted to sin, because sin is fun, and sin feels good in the moment, Uh, but as Proverbs said, um, you know, that
1: road in the end leads to death. Well, you stated on Sunday, um, the most powerful parts of your story are often your pains and failures. In our culture today, there's a general fear of being vulnerable. It's, it's it's hard for people to be vulnerable. There's a tremendous fear there. As a husband, as a father, and and as a pastor, what has given you freedom in your heart to be more vulnerable with people as you share your story? Couple things. One, the confidence
0: I have that God loves me, uh, regardless of my story. Um, the the person. The person whose eyes have seen every moment of my life is God, and he loves me unconditionally. And he continues to forgive me and give me grace um, and love me and direct me and be patient with me. So part of the vulnerability comes from, hey, the the most important person in my life loves me. I don't have to hide from them. So the biggest part of being vulnerable is understanding how much Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he was willing to die for you. The second part is this. The only thing harder than living with vulnerability is living with secrets. And when you talk about pressure, there is way less pressure. There's pressure. There's even exposure in living with vulnerability. But the pressure and the potential exposure that comes with living with secrets is soul-crushing. And, Brandon, I've I've been in ministry now 20 years. I've been in ministry enough to, um, to have seen... Many people exposed for many things. Um, guy exposed as being drug addicts. Moms exposed as being alcoholics. Uh, you know, Deacons and elders in church being exposed as having prescription drug habits. Pastors being exposed as being adulterers. I mean, you name it, I've been a part of it. And here's what I have found about every person who has been exposed of something 24 hours after they've been exposed— they feel relief. Mixed with a lot of other things, the primary feeling is relief. Even though their life has fallen apart, their ministry is over, their character is ruined, their reputation is over, most people who've been living with the secret when it finally gets out, they just feel relief because they have wanted for so long not just to tell someone, but to say, help, help. And they've been embarrassed, they've been ashamed, they've not known how to. So I, I think the on, the only thing that has more pressure than living with vulnerability is living with secrets. Now, I I still believe that there's an element of privacy to Christianity, I believe there's a, an element of privacy to your story. I believe there's an element of privacy in protecting your family and people who are engaged in your story. Um, you know, but there's a difference between privacy and secrets. Privacy are are things that I'm dealing with with the help of a few individual people. They're not public, but they're not secret. And you you've got to learn, and you have to discern um you know when when do i take something in my life um and become vulnerable and is it a private vulnerability with just a very close group of friends or is it a public vulnerability but the but the regardless of whether it's public whether it's private. Jesus loves you. Jesus knows you. Jesus has felt everything and seen everything you've gone through. So it you know at, at the end of the day, um the thing that allows you most to be vulnerable is just knowing that you've got God's love, believing that's most important and and believing that healing from being, you know, small in your own eyes. And being willing to give God a lot of credit, we talk about at the at the end of this story, the smaller we are in our own eyes, the bigger God will be in the eyes of others. Um, I, you know, I think that allows you to be vulnerable. But but it's hard, and it's dangerous, and it's scary. But, man, it's super healing um, if you can be vulnerable with the right people about the right things and say, I know this is going to make me look bad, but I think it make might make God look good, and ultimately it will give him more of me. Um, so sharing those difficult parts of your story if not publicly, even privately, not keeping them secrets, uh, can bring a
1: lot of power into your life. It certainly brings a lot of power to your story. And as you mentioned this past Sunday, the more vulnerable you are, it endears yourself to other people. They can relate because everybody... Everybody struggles with things. So a last question today, Pastor Christian. um, This week in groups, we're learning to shape perhaps the most important part of our faith story. Um, We're sharing the moment in our life where we discovered we didn't have it all together. The moment we discovered we were broken and in need of a Savior. Can you share with our podcast listeners maybe that part of your story? Well, first I would have to ask you, at which which part of the story, which moment
0: that I realized I was broken and didn't have it all together? The one from this morning, or the one from yesterday, or the one from last week, or the one from last month? I think being small in your own eyes is a daily admission that that I, without Jesus, boy, I have no clue. It's just the exact opposite of King Saul, who thinks once I get in a position of power— once I get in a position of, of you know, having a little strength, um, I'll have less weak moments. The reality is the more spiritual you become, the weaker you feel in your own flesh and the stronger you feel because of Jesus. And, and that's I mean, that's that is that is the hope of the gospel, um, al- allowing your story to be filled with messiness um and I don't want to say being okay with that but being okay that that is in your story because Jesus cleans it up. You know, we so often try to be so polished even in here. Right? So we're we're recording a podcast today um in our 4th and 5th grade room because our nursery is being ripped to shreds because we're we're doubling it. And while we're talking there's people outside laughing and talking and Jason and Michelle are here and they're worried that you can probably hear them over the microphones. You might be you might you might be listening to this podcast and hear people laughing and talking the whole time and thinking is there something wrong with my radio? No. The reality is life is messy. Life is not neat. And we would like to master produce a podcast that's perfect. We would like on Sunday for every note of the music to be perfect, every kick of the drum to be well-timed. We would like for the temperature of our building to be perfect. We would like to clean up our lives with a filter of, this looks nice. And what we said last week is, let's make sure the filter instead says, look at Jesus. Um, And when we are willing to say... These are my imperfections and they just make me love Jesus more. That's gonna make somebody else love Jesus more as well. So it's it's a, a huge part of your story is is where we is where we started off from my kids' songs to Jesus loves me, this I know for the Bible tells me. So little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. If we are willing to say we are weak, we don't have it all figured out, um, a lot of things are messy and we try to edit them out so that other people can't see them can't hear them but it's my story there's people in the hallway today hanging out cuz we're in a different room and we don't normally record a podcast in here but that's okay um it's just learning to tell those bits of your story through the lens of hey god still loves me and it's okay and um you know it things aren't as fancy as they ever look or seem anyway uh, i am weak but jesus is really strong if i ever look strong it's it's because you're seeing Him in me, not me. So if if I ever look strong, I'm doing a really good job of reflecting Jesus because I am weak,
1: He is strong. Let me just press into that response just a moment because I think what I heard you say, and there's some tremendous truth, a whole lot of—it's all, it's all truth, obviously. Um, but I think what I heard you say is our greatest danger in our faith journey is looking at our our most— um, difficult or worst brokenness as in the as in the distant past. Like, I think what I heard you say is my brokenness this morning was equally as broken as I was before Jesus.
0: I, I would say that Jesus died for every moment of brokenness in your life, in your past, in your present, and in your future. And the minute you start thinking, I'm not broken anymore, you are probably more broken than you've ever been, Um, and, and pottery that has hardened when it breaks is really difficult to put back together. Pottery that is soft, when it gets out of formation and not useful anymore, the potter can keep working with it. He can make it useful again. So if we will stay soft, if we will stay small in our own eyes, if we will continue to admit we are weak, but he is strong, There'll be days when we have to go back to the lump because the masterpiece God was trying to create out of us got messed up. But
1: because we stayed soft, he was able to kind of ball us up, put us on the wheel, and start over. Pastor Christian, that was really powerful. I want to thank you today for your vulnerability and being just a great example for all of us in this area. And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. I, I, I want you to know of a, a really important resource that we've made available for this series. You can access this resource at takethejourney.cc forward slash story. We provide a link to our weekly conversation, guys. We, we want you to use this as an opportunity to have deeper conversation with your friends. Also, if you have an opportunity to submit your story, you can do so in writing or by video. Our goal throughout this series is to collect hundreds of stories of how God is transforming lives. Thanks for tuning in today, and we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast, where we challenge you to build a faith that is active.
0: Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. We would love for you to help us get the word out about this resource. Don't forget to share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.